Very good morning, family. It's uh, good to be back after away for a mission trip uh, last uh, week and at uh, Oikos uh, Helping Hand, Manila, Philippines. And truly, uh, we in Singapore are very blessed. I had the privilege to visit the slums over there in Oikos, Manila. And many of them uh, stay uh, in a home that is, you know, just look at this staircase in front. This small little place is a home for four people. That's the kind of housing conditions they live in over there at the Aroma Slum District. So indeed, we have been very blessed, as we have sung in the hymn earlier, now thank we all our God. So how can we really use the blessings that God has given to us to be a good steward, to be a blessing to the world? That's the topic and discussion for today's sermon. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Papa God, once again, we thank you for your goodness to us, especially here in Singapore. Indeed, it is by your grace that we have been born into this land, especially the younger generations. By no work of ours, we have received the fruit of the labors of generations that have gone before. And Lord, for all these blessings that you have given to us, teach us how to be good stewards, that we may truly glorify your name and be a blessing to the society and to the world at large. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I think many of us know this principle to be true, use it or lose it. Any of you tried learning a third or fourth language before? What happens the moment you stop revising and stop using that language? I used to learn uh, basic Japanese for a while on my own during my national service. During my free time, I tried to pick up the language because I was heading to Japan for a holiday. Now, I can tell you, honestly, I cannot remember a single thing about the Japanese language except words like sashimi, teriyaki, oishi. <laughs> I cannot even recognize a single Japanese character. And then some of you now are learning to play ukulele. There was a season two, I picked up how to play the ukulele when my in-laws were learning how to play. I have already learned how to play the guitar, so picking up the ukulele to encourage them to play along with them was quite easy. But do you know what? Today... I cannot play the ukulele anymore because I've forgotten all the chords. What are the fingerings for the chords? I cannot play the ukulele anymore. Yes, it's probably easy for me to pick it up again, but I cannot remember. But my in-laws continue to play the ukulele. You see, this is a principle in life we cannot violate. If we don't constantly use what we have gained and learned and been given, we will lose the ability to do so. If we don't use it, we will lose it. In the same way, a Christian's unwillingness to serve may soon destroy our capacity for usefulness. If we don't learn to serve God, we may no longer be useful to God. Again, the same principle, you think about it, goes for our muscles as well. If we don't use our muscles, they will atrophy. They just become weaker over time. And anyone who has done serious weightlifting will definitely have experienced this reality. So almost all of life revolves around this very fundamental principle. You either use it or you lose it. To be fair, in some instances, if we constantly use something, of course there will be wear and tear. Cars, you know, break down after a few years. Machinery, equipment, they have a limited lifespan. However, I hope to show you that uh, through the next story that wear and tear is not necessarily always the case. Unamuno, the Spanish philosopher, tells about the Roman aqueduct in Segovia, Spain. It was built in 109 AD. 
109 AD. For 1800 years, it carried cool water from the mountains to the hot and thirsty city. Nearly 60 generations of people drank from its flow. Then came a new generation, a recent one, who said to themselves, Wow, this aqueduct is so great a marvel that it ought to be preserved for our children as a museum piece. We shall relieve it of its centuries long of labour. And so this is what they did. They laid modern iron pipes. They gave the ancient bricks and mortar a reverent rest. And to everyone's shock, the aqueduct began to fall apart. The sun beating on the dry mortar caused it to crumble. The bricks and the stones sagged and threatened to fall. What ages of service could not destroy? Idleness disintegrated. What ages of service could not destroy? Idleness disintegrated. So while wear and tear may set in at times, the principle that is almost always true, the higher principle is this. If we don't use it, we will lose it. At church camp, Pastor Stanley preached from the parable of talents. And for those of you who missed the church camp, don't worry, you can listen to them on our website. So this year we have the sermons from the church camp on our website. And we are familiar with this parable of talents. One man was given five talents, the other the second man two talents, and the last man one talent. Both the first and second man gained more talents, but the last man failed to use his talent, and in the end, he lost even that one single talent which he was entrusted with in the first place. So, biblically, we see this principle also. Use it or lose it. Even when it comes to a seed, only when the seed is used, so-called dies, used, does there come new life. That is why, for me, I'm not trying to show off whenever I have uh, conduct healing services. It's not me trying to show off my spiritual gifts or healing or prophecy or whatever other gifts that God has given to me. For me, it's a matter of stewardship. It's a matter of stewardship because if I don't use these gifts, I will lose them. But if I use them, I will grow in using these gifts even more. And let me be completely honest with all of you. The truth is I do not like to conduct healing services, believe it or not. Why? Because it takes a lot out of me to prepare for the healing service in terms of sermon preparation, coordinating the prayer leaders. Of course, I thank God for prayer coordinator Aichu who gets the people involved. Pouring lots of time in prayer, having to fight spiritual battles. Plus, there is a lot of room for failure. What if people are not healed? So it is a challenging thing for me to conduct a healing service. It can be very stumbling if people are not healed, stumbling to my faith and to the people's faith. But why do I still conduct these healing services? By the way, the next one is on 14th of July. Number one, and the most important reason is because I'm compelled by God's love for people. God loves His people. And those who are not yet His people. And He wants to make them His people by touching them through healing. Secondly, it's because I seek to be a responsible steward. If God has granted me this gift, I must use it. Use it or lose it. And so God really knows my heart. I do not conduct the healing services to show off my spiritual gifts. My prayer really, if you ask me, is that everyone will pray for the sick. Lay hands on the sick and they will be made well, as scripture says. So my job as a pastor really is to equip all of us to do that. 
I'm not one of those, you know, tele-evangelists who like to draw attention to themselves and then get people to think, oh, Pastor Anthony is such a great healer. No, God is the healer. We are merely channels. We are merely vessels for God to use us for His healing grace. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, Do you bring in a lamb to put it under a bowl or a bed? Don't you instead put it on his stand? In other words, first of all, Jesus says, A lamb is meant to shine. That's his purpose. That's his design. It's not trying to show off how bright it is. It is simple nature. It is the consequence of his nature. The lamb is supposed to shine. In the same way, whatever gifts or talents God has given to us, we are meant to use them and to shine for Jesus. Not to show off, but to simply shine. Has God made you a good artist or a designer? Use those gifts. Has God made you a good cook? Use that gift. Has God given you a heart of compassion? Use it. Have you been well trained in accounts, economics, engineering, teaching? Use those gifts and training that God has given to you. So whether God has given you a good mind, a skillful pair of hands, or a tender heart, whatever God has given to us, let's use it for the glory of God. All of us are given gifts by God, whether by nature, through the work of the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, or through life's lessons and experiences, whatever we have gained, let us use it. And so we are all obligated as good stewards to use whatever God has given to us in our life. Don't ever be ashamed of those gifts. Of course, we don't show off, but we should not be ashamed of those gifts. We use it to bless others. We simply shine for Jesus. After my trip to Manila, Philippines, I think Singaporeans are blessed in another aspect, not so much just financially, but in our family units. Of course, we think that society is crumbling, families are disintegrating, and that is true to some extent. But looking at the situation of the families over there, how broken and dysfunctional they are, I think God has blessed the Christians, many Christians with good families. And I think it's our duty as well to show the world, to show each other how good marriages look like, how good families look like. That is one way we can be a blessing to someone else too. So do prayerfully consider. I don't have anything in mind yet, but as Tonggan prayed about it just now, I, I feel that burden too. We are blessed, many of us, through our families. Of course, I know there are dysfunctional families. No families are perfect. But I think we are generally quite blessed. Many of us have come from good families. All we try to build a good family by God's uh, grace and word. And so let's use those uh, experiences to help others to build a good foundation in families as well. Secondly, Jesus says, Whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. In other words, there are hidden talents in, we, in you in which you may have yet to explore and discover. There are hidden talents in us. If you don't try, how would you know that you don't have that gift? And I'm not talking about just trying once or twice. It's about trying it repeatedly over an extended period of time. Take cycling, for example. Anyone was born and able to cycle immediately? No, right? First, we learn how to walk. As we learn how to walk, and if you have the opportunity to learn cycling after failing and falling many times but not giving up, we keep trying and trying. Eventually, we learn to cycle. 
right? Because we faithfully walk, and then so therefore we learn to cycle as the next uh, gift or skill in life. So only after we have tried something for a long time and genuinely cannot do it, I think there can be justification to say, really, I cannot do this particular area. But if you only try once or twice and then you give up, I don't think it's justifiable to say you don't have the talent or the gifts in that area. In the same manner, why do we conclude so quickly that God has not given us some of these supernatural or spiritual gifts? How many of you have actually tried praying for the sick, laying hands on them face to face, not just praying behind the scenes, but actually praying with them face to face? When I first asked God for this gift of healing, I went to several conferences. I was hungry. I said, God, you love your people. Let me exercise this gift for the blessings of your people. And one of the speakers said this, only if you have prayed for a hundred people and none of them are healed, can you conclude that you don't have this gift of healing. Not just one or two people and not just praying behind the scenes, you know, but praying face to face, laying hands on them. You pray for a hundred people and if after you have prayed for a hundred people and still none are healed, then maybe you can conclude that you don't have this spiritual gift. hundred people as the litmus test. How many of us have truly persevered in this before we conclude that we have no gift of healing? So I ventured out. The moment I started praying for healing, one in ten got healed. First nine, nothing happened. But on the tenth try, someone got healed. Before I stepped out in faith, no one was healed. So before you conclude that you don't have this gift of healing or other spiritual gifts, make sure you give yourself and God a fair shot. Make sure you give yourself and give God a fair shot. Persevere. Try it out first. Incidentally, I also know some of you in your midst, uh, in our midst, who have once received the gift of tongues, but have now lost it. Why? Because you stopped practicing it. That's so simple. You know, there was a season in my life too, I lost this gift of tongues. I received the gift of tongues at a youth camp, but because my cell leader uh, wrongly taught me that the tongues have ceased, I stopped using it. And I tried to recover it by myself, but I couldn't. Only when Pastor Edmund D'Souza, he used to be at, uh, pastor in charge at Christ Methodist Church, now he's retired, re-engaged as a pastor at Wesley Methodist Church. He came to our church camp, uh, my former church, some years ago. He prayed, he taught. Then I realized my cell leader was wrong. And I asked him to pray with me to restore this gift. And so since that gift has been restored, today I continue to use this gift for worship and intercession. Initially, the tongue started out as monosyllabic, just da-da-da-da-da, but I did not give up. I persevered. And today, I can pray freely at will. I can control the volume, the speed, because I continue to exercise this gift. I don't need some supernatural experience of God to pray. I simply use the gift that God has given. So again, all of life, we see this principle at work. You use it or you lose it. And when you're faithful to use it, God will add on to you. Do you know when I first did uh, my spiritual gift assessment as a young 21-year-old, I only had three top spiritual gifts. Number one was faith. I think you can still see me using that, uh, that spiritual gift whenever I preach. I preach by faith. Second was martyrdom. One of those gifts I think you can only use once and then never use it again. <laughs> uh, number three was pastoring. But at the time, I was not a pastor, I was simply an assistant cell leader. I think subsequent gifts, uh, those of you who have gone through BMC, they took up martyrdom as a gift, 
I think rightly so. I don't think it should be a gift because it should be an attitude for every Christian to die for Jesus. It cannot be a gift because you can only use it once. So it's good. They have removed that from the spiritual gift test. So when I first did that test, I had neither the gift of tongues, prophecy or healing. Why? Because they were hidden. God had not given them to me. They were hidden until the point I proved that I was a faithful steward of what, of, of what God has already given to me. Which brings us to the third point, which Jesus says, Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be given measure to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. So use it or lose it. But when we are faithful to use whatever God has given to us, we will be blessed by the Lord. Whatever is hidden will now be brought out into the open. So stewardship is not just about finances. It's about our entire lives. All that God has input into us. Let us be faithful to use it to bless others. But I know many of us are still thinking in terms of financially, how can we be a good financial steward? So I just want to end off today's sermon by talking a little bit of how money ought to be used as faithful stewards. We already know the principle, use it or lose it, is very true for many areas of our lives, our brains, our muscles, our gifts, our talents. But is this principle also true in the area of money? What does it mean to use it or lose it in the area of financial stewardship? Does it mean we simply use our money recklessly? Better use it so that I don't lose it. No, of course not, right? That's not the idea. When I say use it, it doesn't mean that we should give all our money to God. That's not being responsible, stewards at all. What about your own family, right, who need that money as well? I'm not saying that we should use uh, money recklessly, even though we know that money is useless in eternity. <laughs> Remember that money is useless in eternity. We should not spend, splat, splurge on ourselves just because of this principle, use it or lose it. I want to share this story which Pastor Stanley shared at church camp. What does it mean for us to be really good financial stewards? Apologies to those of you who have heard it, but it's a really powerful story and a true story, I believe. A pastor once gave out $50 to every member of the congregation one Sunday. Imagine that, giving out $50. Pastor Stanley asked me to try it out one day. I'm not going to try it out. <laughs> But imagine this, every one of you get $50 and next week you're supposed to come back and be accountable and tell everyone else how we have put this $50 to good use. One man who was a pilot used that $50 to rent an aeroplane and started charging people to give them a ride in the sky. In the end, he came back the next week and said, look, I've made $700. Another person used that same money to bake cookies and sold those cookies and came back the next week and reported, look, I made $300. And one by one, every member came up to give an account of the way they have used that money to gain some more. Family, that's what God expects us to do. One day, we will stand before the throne of God and we have to be accountable to God. Did we grow that money or use that money wisely so that more people have been blessed? The wise stewards among us will spend money in such a way that God will praise us in eternity. Use it in such a way that God will praise us in eternity. 
Are we using our money well to grow God's kingdom and do His work? If we only save up for ourselves, woe to us. If we spend only on ourselves, even greater woe is upon us. The principle I believe we should uh, leave it out when it comes to money is this. Be frugal with ourselves, but very generous with others. Frugal with ourselves, but generous with others. Incidentally, I think that's what we should do with our words too. Be frugal with our criticisms, but generous in our praise. Criticize only out of love and the need to, but praise freely, praise freely. John Wesley had one question as uh, part of his holy club. Do I pray about how I'm spending my money? That's a wonderful principle. Do I pray about how I'm spending my money? That is how I think we should treat every cent that God has entrusted to us. We should not spend it frivolously as if every cent belongs to us. Neither should we cling on to every cent as if, you know, uh, that that's all that really matters. At the end of the life, our life, we say, God, I've accumulated $2 million in my bank account. And then God will say, what do you do with that $2 million? No, that's not the way we should uh, just save up for the sake of saving up. I find odd at times that financial stewardship, you know, usually emphasizes the aspect of saving more rather than just spending. Yes, we should not be reckless in our spending, but seen in the light of Scripture, and the larger principle of life, biblical financial stewardship ought to be gaining and investing money for the purposes of God's kingdom. Gaining money, investing that money for the purposes of God's kingdom. Saving our money but not using is like buying an umbrella for a rainy day and never using the umbrella. If we just save but never use it for good, how can we be accountable to God? So saving up is very important, a vital aspect of being responsible stewards. But should the day come when God tells us, I want you to empty your bank account so that you can give to the poor, we must be willing to do that. As good stewards of money, we must not only earn all we can, save all we can, but also be willing to give all we can. After all, everything belongs to God. So be frugal with ourselves, but be very generous with God and with God's uh, directions. So if you ask me on top of our tithing, which is biblically commanded, <laughs> pledging, I think is a good spiritual discipline, as our treasurer has said. There are three other ways we could use our money. I'm just going to give broad principles here and then we will close. You have to pray about the specifics, the three broad principles of how else we can use our money for good. Number one, Give to the poor and needy. But let me qualify here. We don't just want to give it as charity. We should give to the poor and needy in such a way that it helps them to overcome their poverty and lift up their dignity. If we just give it out of charity, it will continue to make them beggars. And that's not helpful at all. We should give to the work that helps the poor and needy, that elevates them so that they can earn a living for themselves have a dignity in life. That is at the heart, really, of mission schools. John Wesley started free tuition schools for the poor. Why? So that they can have an education. He raised the funds. He will walk on the streets himself so that he will raise funds for the school. 
not for himself, but so that the children can be well educated. That's helping the poor and needy in a very concrete and practical way. So that is a good cause. So if you see a project which aims to empower the poor or the disenfranchised, the marginalized in some way, give to that cause. Of course, you you need to do a due diligence, check up on their background and so on and so forth. I leave it to you to do that. Secondly, give it to the work of evangelism, missions and missionaries. Someone has to sustain these missionaries as they preach the gospel. It's very tough being a missionary. They have many things on their minds already, the preaching of the gospel, they're in a foreign land, they're away from their family. And if they still have to worry about money, it's even worse. It's a triple whammy. Foreign culture, away from their family and loved ones, and then still have to raise money. So let's bless them as they preach the gospel to the nations. Bless them so that they can focus on their outreach work. Number three, give it to whoever or whatever God impresses upon our hearts to do so, even if it doesn't make sense to us at a point in time. We must always keep a posture of open hands before our master. If the master says, give it this way, we give it this way because Jesus says so. Now, having said all of this, again, I'm not saying we should be reckless. We need to do our due diligence, do our background checks, but these are the three general areas we must learn to give as well. I summarize them with this acronym GPFG. Not general purpose machine gun, but number one, uh, give. Give who? Give to the poor. Give to the work of missions. And finally, give as God directs. Not just blindly, you know, everything just give. Like that. No. But give to the poor, especially those who elevate the poor and needy in a very practical way, give to the work of missions so that the world may hear the gospel preached to them. And number three, give in such a way that whatever God directs. So let us be faithful. Let us be found to be faithful stewards, wise stewards, as we all have to give an account to God one day. Let us use our talents, our time, and our money well for the glory and extension of God's kingdom. Use it or lose it. But if we use it, God will be faithful to bless us with even more. May God help us. Let us pray. Indeed, Lord, we are thankful once again for your goodness to us in our lives. Father, we repent and are sorry for our grumbling and complaining attitudes. We are so quick to complain and grumble and be dissatisfied with life even though we have been so blessed. So Lord, renew our minds. Give us a fresh pair of lenses. Forgive us, Lord. And now, Lord, we pray by the grace of your uh, Son, Jesus Christ, and the power and the wisdom that comes from your Holy Spirit, help us to be wise and faithful stewards in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.